0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcast.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tia and Tehillim. I am amazed at how each parak just gets more and more beautiful. I keep thinking, okay, I already cherry-picked all the nicest prakim. It only goes downhill from here, and really, it's just so the opposite. They just keep getting more and more beautiful. The commentaries and everything. I'm just amazed. Hope you all share that amazement with me as we look at Perek Bays Chapter 2 and Tehillim. This Perek is sponsored as an Alias Neshama for Nechama Tzeral Shmuel and Avram Yaakov Ben Mordechai Hirsch and for for Shalema for Leah Bas Alta Rachel. Thank you so much for all the sponsors of this Perek and just putting it out there that if you want to be, if you're benefiting from these classes and enjoying them and you want to be a part of it, you want to sponsor it for yourself, or a loved one, feel free to reach out to me at yalbertram.com on the contact page. Just send me an email and, um, you know, for any amount that you want to donate is great. I'm happy for whoever wants to, to be part of this beautiful schus of spreading these classes. Okay, so let's look at Perak B's. I just want to start with an anecdote, a personal memory of mine, a very beloved memory of mine from my youth when, you know, I went, I used to go to my grandparents for Pesach and we would be there around this, the table, around the Seder table, by the meals, we would be there and, you know, as a little girl, I must have been seven, eight, nine, a little chubby little girl, I I was very, very picky eater. And I would look. I didn't really like the chicken, the fish, the meat. I didn't like any of that. All I really wanted was my grandmother's delicious freezer cake. She had a cake that we called freezer cake. It was like a chocolate mousse cake. It was delectable, and I dreamed of it the whole year. I would just dream of it. Anyways, what happened? I would sit there at the table, at the long, big, intimidating table with the aunts and the uncles and the cousins. And I was this little girl... And I never, they would bring out the food and my plate was empty. The fish came, the soup came, the the meat came. I just, I wasn't interested. I, I didn't like, I was a very picky eater. And inevitably, someone at the table would say, y'all, if you don't eat your food, you're not going to get dessert, right? That's, that's, that's what the adults tell you in your life. So I would sit there at the whole time during the whole meal, shamefully looking down at my plate, scared, oh no, I'm not going to get dessert. But what always ended up happening, what always ended up happening, without fail, was that when dessert came out, my grandmother would bring out her delicious freezer cake. She was a really talented baker. And she would put it in front of my zaidi, the king. He was the melech. And he was the one given the honors of giving out all the desserts. And he would look, the first thing he would do, right he would he would always beam with pride at the delicious desserts that my grandmother was putting in front of him and he would look at me little me at the end of the table and he would say in his zaidi in his raspy zaidi voice he would say yali gimdu come get i'm going to give the biggest piece of cake for you and you're going first and i would come up triumphantly to to take my big piece of freezer cake and go back to my seat. And after a while, I started realizing that all the threats that everyone was giving was were empty. My zaidi loves me. He's forgiving. He just wants to see a smile on my face. He just wants me to be happy. And and you know, I started catching on that I didn't have to worry so much when everyone made their comments because really, he was the one in charge. It was his seder table. It was his. You know, he was fearing Tish, and he was the one who made those end decisions. It didn't matter what anybody else said. And why am I telling you this story? I'm giving over the story before we start to learn Parak Bays, because this is the relationship, Kiviachal, that we have with Hashem. Hashem loves us. He wants us to be happy. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not good enough, I don't deserve, I shouldn't want, whatever it is. Hashem just wants us to be happy. He wants us to enjoy this beautiful world, this beautiful life that he gave us. And that's the relationship that's the real connection that we have with him. And so we see we're gonna see here in this parak insight into how we could tap into that connection, how we could be part of that connection and really live that way and through that see miracles and and enjoy unbelievable freezer cake in our life. And so this is a message that we're gonna see here in this parak. So I wanted to start off with that, Mashal, just to give you a, a insight into the overview of the parak. You know, the first parak, this is parak bees, but parak Aleph spoke all about how the tzaddik has all the good things happening to him. Tzaddik Katamar yefra. He's going to be successful and blossom. And the it talks about the Russia, the wicked man, as uh, yeah, you know, he's going to be like the shaft of the wheat that's going to blow away in the wind. He's he's it's gonna he's going to be destroyed. And here, Perak Beis is really a sequel. It's really connected to Perak Aleph. Because in this Perak, we're asking the obvious question that comes out of Perak Aleph. The obvious question is, but Hashem, it's not true. Look how many times the nations of the world were successful at persecuting us, at hurting us. Right? They were so successful. So how could you say that the good are going to have good and the bad people are going to have bad? It's not necessarily true. And we answer here in this parak that Hashem laughs. He sits in Shammayim and he laughs because while they might seem successful in the short term, ultimately in the Messianic times we're going to see very, very clearly that you know we're really the ones that Hashem is cherishing and taking care of and that those nations that are threatening His precious children are going to get destroyed. Before I start, I just want to say that what, what I want us all to come away with here in this parak are some very important tools that we're going to be using in our life to bypass all of our fears and blockages towards allowing ourselves to want what we want. And we say here in this parasha, Sha'al mi many Hashem says, Ask me, I'll give you anything. I love you, right? It's a parak of really Hashem expressing His love for us and showing us that He's going to take care of us and protect us from our enemies and He's going to take nakama on them. And I want us to really use this parak to be able to tap into our love that we share with Hashem and to get into a miracle mindset and to recognize that He is wanting to give us everything we want and that He's able to give it to us. And when we tap into that to the fullest extent, then we're going to be the perfect key to be able to draw that into our life. So we're going to have practical insights and tools on how to get into a miracle mindset and how to receive those miracles in return. Let's look at Perek Bez Pasuk Aleph. Lama Rugshugayim Uluumim Yagu Why are the nations getting together and making so much noise? Why are they getting so excited about their evil plots against us? Now we're asking Hashem here, Lama, we don't if we if we would ask our friend why are you acting like this, Lama, right? Or a family member, they'd be angry at us, they'd be hurt. How do you talk to me like that? Hashem, Hashem doesn't get angry. David is showing us here. We could ask Hashem Lama. We could ask Him why. We could have Tainas. Because our main concern here is for the welfare of His children, of the Jewish nation. Now, Lama Ragshu Gayim. Why are the Gayim getting so excited? Why are they making such a tumult? The Mepharshim tell us that the Gayim are compared to the waves of the ocean. Why? Because each wave as it comes to shore it starts building momentum it starts getting bigger and more excited and more powerful thinking i'm going to be the one to overtake the the shore and what ends up happening of course each wave ends up prostrating itself to the to the shore and so so too our enemies they each fall all of them fall nimrod fell before avram asa fell before yaakov the mitzrim Balak, Bilam, Sancheirov, Haman, and on and on and on, and in the future Goguma Gogoso is gonna fall. All of our enemies fall, and yet each one with ira- each wave, each enemy with irrational confidence, thinks I'm gonna be the one to to get rid of the Jewish nation. I'm gonna be the one to conquer them. And so David here is asking, Lama, Ragshu, like, what's, what, what's with these waves? Why does each one think that, you know, despite all the, the fall of all the nations before it, that it's going to be the one, right? Well, why do, they, why do they clamor? Why do they make so much noise? Nenatka, and here we have the answer, okay? Pasuk Gimel says, Nenatka, Esmoser, Semo. They each are getting themselves excited about getting rid of us in order to cut off our cord. What makes them so angry? What is the root of anti-Semitism? What makes them so disturbed? Why can't they just leave us alone? They have to cut our cords. They want to break our connection with Hashem. In the past, when the Jews would conquer other nations, they would require those nations that they conquered to keep the Sheva Mitzvot B'nai Noach. And everyone knew that the, the, the Judaic influence was felt as a general norm for people to follow. We we obligated the world to follow a certain moral code. Even with the modern day dictators, Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, he wrote, the Jews have inflicted two wounds on the world, circumcision for the boys and conscience for the soul. I come to free mankind from their shackles. So we see that the, the world doesn't like it. They don't want to be obligated by our moral code. It's it's, it's just basically what we're doing is we're holding up a mirror to show them how incompetent they are and how they live without values or without any morals, right? They don't want to see that. And that's why they come and, and they hate us. For example, and like we could see even this in our own life, L'Havdil, we could see like if you're not watching yourself, let's say you're in a mode of just like you're eating cookies, you're not in like the diet mode, right? You're, you're not really On top of things, when you're opening up the Jewish magazines and reading about the girl on the diet article or reading about somebody else's success with their weight loss, you're like, forget it. You're like, angry, I don't even want to see this. Why do you even put this in this magazine, right? Or if you're on a chat where there's a, a sheer being posted every week or whatever it is, and you're just too busy and overwhelmed to listen to sheer. sheer. Not only are you are not going to look at the chat, you'll probably exit the group, right? You're just like, I don't even want to see this now. This is making me angry. This is just making me realize how little I'm listening to these classes, right? So in a similar way, the world is looking at us and saying, I don't even want to see you, right? We don't even want to know from you. We don't want to be obligated to live on those standards. So, what happens? The world, the nations of the world are threatening us. But Hashem is sitting in the heavens and laughing. He's laughing. What's he laughing at? He's laughing at the irony of all this. For example, Bilam, who was a Gentile prophet who came to curse the Jews. What happened? Instead of the curse coming out of his mouth, we know he said the words, Matovo Tovo He blessed the Jewish nation. And not only that, but it's that blessing that came from his mouth that we say for thousands of years, the Jews, the Jews are saying, every single morning in Shachras. And so Hashem is laughing and he's saying, you think that you're destroying us? Really, you're making us stronger. So, okay, maybe in the past things looked a certain way, we thought that the Ga'im were succeeding, but us then, then in the Messianic era, then we're going to be able to see how Hashem is going to take out all of his anger on them and terrify them, and they're going to get what they deserve. And Hashem is going to say, uh-uh, I'm the boss here. I'm the one who puts Malki, my king, my David Melech." And and the whole dynasty that comes out of him, he's the one that's going to sit on the throne, not any of you. And David tells us, "Asapra el chok." I'm going to tell you a chok. What's a chok? A chok is a rule. I'm going to tell you the undebatable rule. Chok is from also is the root of the word chakok, engraved. The rule that's engraved in the Torah that's non-debatable, that's not up for discussion. What's that rule that's not up for discussion? What does it say in the Torah? It says Hashem, that we're Hashem's children. So he says here, Hashem Hashem says to me, ata, you're my son. Ani Hayom, I today gave birth to you. David here is is proclaiming to the nations. He's saying, The way it is, the rule, the engraved rule, is that the Jewish nation, we are the children of Hashem. And every day, it's as if each one of us is born anew to our loving parents. That's how Hashem views us, that we're just a fresh newborn. Now, Rabban Rabban Gamliel Rabbenovich, in his Sefer Tiv HaTihilos, explains that not only does Hashem view us this way, but we have to view our relationship with Hashem, that we're newborns. What does that mean? A newborn doesn't give anything back in return. A newborn is constantly being cared for and it's just a hundred percent chesed. It's a hundred percent charity that it's taking from its parents. It doesn't smile. It doesn't do anything cute yet. It doesn't do anything. It just sits there and takes. And of course, you know, as it gets a little bit older, okay, it's one month old, two months old, it starts to laugh, smile, giggle, you know, it starts to give back. The parents start to get joy and nachas from this baby. But we have to realize and we have to have the mindset that we're newborns. We didn't do anything to deserve anything we get. We are tiny little newborns and all we do is take. And Hashem is just so happy to just give and give and give. And we, we have to recognize where we're standing. Where, we're, where our position is in our relationship with Him. Everything that He gives us is a chesed. We didn't do anything to deserve it. And when we realize this then we're able to get into the miracle mindset. We're able to realize it's not about what I do or I don't do. I'm like a tiny little helpless newborn in my mother's arms. I'm just being taken care of. And when we have this mindset, then the Pasuk tells us, HaShem says, from this place of knowing who you are in the world, right? you think you're so powerful, you think you're in control of everything, from recognizing that I'm your loving parent and you're the newborn child, <speaking in Spanish> ask me anything and I'll give you whatever you want. To the, I'll even give you whole nations that are going to surrender to you. <speaking> in, <Spanish> in your grasp will be the nations at the edge of the universe. In other words, the things that you never thought you could ever, ever have. The things that were so far from your wildest dreams. I'm going to take all those things and put them in your hand, in your grasp. If you're coming to me in the miracle mindset, if you're coming to me knowing that everything comes from me and that I want the best for you, I want you to have what you want and I there's nothing that I can't do. So now how do we enter into this relationship with Hashem where He's willing and giving, and He not just willing to, but He is giving us every single day all these amazing things that we never thought we could have. How do we get, become part of that beautiful picture? We become part of that when we enter this miracle mindset. right? We know that the way we get treated is based on our inner world, where our thoughts are, what we're believing. So if we're in a miracle mindset, we're going to attract that from the outside. We're going to attract miracles into our life. And we're given insight here in this paragraph of how to do that through the, the mashal of this newborn baby. So let's look at this newborn baby, okay? This newborn baby, number one, and here I'm going to give you two tools of things you could do to enter into this miracle mindset. And let's look at this newborn for an example to really understand how to get there. The first thing is that a baby... A baby's not concerned with how its needs are getting taken care of. A baby never says, you know what, I'm not going to cry for food, and I'm not, because look at my mother. Nabach, she's sleeping, she's exhausted, she worked so hard giving birth to me, she's never going to be able to wake up anyways, forget it. I'm just going to suck it up, I'm not going to cry for food, right? A baby wants something, it screams. It's not saying, you know what, my diaper's wet, but... They probably don't have any diapers left. I used up so many. I probably won't be able to get a fresh one. So forget it. Let me just stay, you know, stay quiet. A baby just wants something. It just knows what it wants and just screams for what it wants. It doesn't need to know how. It doesn't get involved with how. And I want to take that into our own life. We don't need to know how. We don't need to know how we're going to get that house that we want. How we're going to afford it. We don't need to know how we're going to be able to attract the shirach that we want. We don't need to know how anything. We don't need to know how we're going to heal from an illness. We just need to know what we want. We need to know what we want, sha'al mimeni, and ask him for what we want. And don't include in your mind, well, it's not really possible, so let me dumb it down. Let me dumb down my desire. Let me dumb down my request. No. Hashem says I can give you things on the opposite side of the world. So ask yourself What do I really want? If I didn't have to worry about the how, if it didn't have to make sense to me, what would I really, really want? Ask yourself that and stay out of the hows. So I'm asking for the what, not involving myself in the hows, just like this newborn baby. The second thing about a newborn baby is that they're going to get to they're going to get their needs met. That newborn baby is precious and valuable and even if their mother is not available for them or not able to give them what they need, guess what? There's a whole long list of people who are looking to adopt that precious, valuable, adorable, tiny little bundle of joy and they're going to be waiting there and excited and anticipating to take care of this baby's needs. In the, in a similar way, sometimes we think Okay, Hashem could do anything, but I'm not worthy of getting what I want. I'm too fat, too skinny, too tall, too short, too rich, too poor, whatever it is. Too smart, too dumb. I I just can't get what I want. I'm just not going to be able to get that job or that promotion or that shidduch or whatever it is. And we have to tap into this newborn value that we have. We're precious. We're valuable. Hashem loves us. And he has many ways of bringing us what we want. It doesn't have to seem possible to us. And Jack Canfield, the the New York Times best-selling author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, that whole series of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books that we read when we were teenagers, he gives a great, acute cute way of remembering how to stay in that place of anything is possible for me and I can get what I want to get and not to get, like, you know, downtrodden by rejection or failure or, or thoughts of this is not possible. And he says, remember these letters, SW. What does this stand for? Some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. And he says, if you want to get that job and you get rejected by 80 different people, don't lose hope. There are endless resources in the world. So what if they didn't want you? At the end of the day, what really matters is that person who's waiting. The person who's waiting to benefit from and, and derive enjoyment from your value and from what you offer to the world. So, SW, 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 SW. Some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. If, if you got rejected by 20 boys who didn't want to go out with you, so What? Someone's waiting and that's the one that you need. So that's another cute way of staying in the miracle mindset. Now, I just want to give you an example before I continue here in this perek of how living in a miracle mindset affected my life personally. And I could go on with stories from today till tomorrow. I'm just going to give you one that pops into my mind off the top of my head. Um, It was a little while back at a time in my life when i was very 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 connected with this miracle mindset where my bitachon was super strong where i i was i was constantly laser focusing on all the good that was coming into my life and feeling hashem's love and care And it was really taking my life to unbelievable levels, which is one of the biggest motivators for me to actually be giving these Tehillim classes to all of you because I want to share that with you, and I want you to live in this magical reality as well. So it was during that time in my life, and I... Listen, I, of course I try now also, I, I do everything I can to get into that magical state of being to strengthen my emunah bitachon because it, there's nothing like it. But at that particular time, I was really it was just coming to me natural. I was really strong with it. it was, I was in a good momentum. And what happened was a friend of mine asked me to go on a trip with her for a few days. And uh, I said, sure. She goes, What do you mean, sure? You're not worried about a babysitter? Who's gonna watch your other kids? So 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 look for one. And she was like more worried about me, you know, she was more worried about my kids than I was. And I said, Listen, Hashem's taking care of me. Everything I need, I end up just getting. It all just falls into my lap lately. So I'm not gonna start worrying about a babysitter. It's gonna come, it's just gonna happen. And I can't even explain why I was like so trusting. Like I was just in that mode and she kept talking me up about it. Like, no, where's the babysitter? Where's the babysitter? But anyways, a few days later, she actually called me up and said, you know, my sister's coming for Yantif and she's bringing a babysitter with her. She hired someone from out of town and that girl from out of town, the babysitter is coming a few days early and she asked me, do I have any friends who might need her for those few days before Yantif? so she doesn't have to just do nothing for those days. And she said, so call her up. And she sent me the number and I called her up and it worked out amazing. Now, when we talk about this story, me and my friend, you know, we talk about it and she laughs at me and she she tells people, yeah, y'all said, Hashem's going to find her a babysitter. But I keep telling her, I found her a babysitter. And I look at her and I say, darling, yes, you found me a babysitter, but of course you're just one of the pawns in Hashem's hands. You're just one of his messengers that he used to deliver me what I needed at that time. The reason why I'm saying this story is because this is just one of the many stories that I experience when I'm in this miracle mindset and I want to encourage all of you to try to do the same start accessing what do I really want not worrying and getting lost in how is this going to happen and maybe I shouldn't even let myself desire it because then I'm going to be let down because it doesn't seem realistic get out of that and just say what do I want with the trust and the certainty that Hashem is your love anxiety and he wants to give you that delicious freezer cake no matter what and the more we can trust in the SW, 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 SW the more we're going to literally live in the vibe of like man is falling from heaven. It's just we're going to live feeling so supported and taken care of. It's real. It's magical. And it's amazing. So I encourage all of you to try these tools. So as the parak continues now, David is basically, in summary, he's telling these nations of the world who are looking to threaten us, he's saying, come on guys, shape up, because we don't want you to be destroyed. We're not looking to have you get destroyed. But that's what's going to happen if you don't get your acts together. So start taking Musur. He says, Second to last Pasuk. Serve Hashem with fear. Start bringing fear into your life. Start caring about rules and boundaries and values and morals. And this seems to really contradict the Ivdu'ez Hashem the contradicts. It seems to contradict Ivdu'ez Hashem besimcha, which is what David tells us elsewhere in Tehill. But really it's not a contradiction. We see in the second half of the Pasuk here the answer, V'gilu b'ra'dah. What should you do? You should gilu, you should rejoice bira'ada with trembling. In other words, the fear and the simcha have to come together. The prerequisite for true simcha is Yirashamayim. If I really want to be happy, I have to have structure in place that enables me to live in a way that I could be proud of myself. For example, let's say take parenting, right? If you tell your child, you say to yourself, Listen, I want you to be happy. I want you to just stay home from school, get into your PJs, watch cartoons, eat Nash, have ice cream, and just do that. Just I just want you to be happy. My main thing is that you should be happy. What's gonna happen after a day or two? They're gonna start slowly getting very sad. They're gonna get depressed, they're gonna get bored, they're not gonna feel good about themselves. And so, you know, therefore we know that what's the best way to raise children? The best way is with love and limits together. A nice balance of love and limits. And the same thing goes for us adults. If we truly want to be happy, we have to have those limits. And that's why Hashem gave us the gift of the Torah. The Torah and mitzvot are a way, a, a, a true gift for us. Because it's a way of building into our life exactly what we need to have true simcha. And here is where I want to... Talk about another blockage, something else that blocks us from allowing ourselves to have the wants that we want, to ask for the things that we truly, really want. Another blockage is that we tell ourselves, look, it says, if du es Hashem There has to be Yira in my life. I can't just want to have a fun party my whole life. I can't just want all these awesome, amazing things. I'm not entitled to that. We tell ourselves, I shouldn't really want that. It's not okay for me to want that. And so we limit ourselves. What we have to recognize here and realize is that when David tells us, He's talking to us, to the Jews. But when he says, He's talking to our enemies. Why is this? Because as Yidin, we have already the Torah and mitzvos as part of our life to keep us on track. And the Goyim don't. They They need to make that Yira first because they don't have it. But we have it. It's part of our existence. It's part of our life already. So we have to know that if we want to be at a place where we're forgetting ourselves and allowing ourselves, like, I could want everything I want. I'm allowed to want it. As long as I put the Torah and mitzvot first in my life, as long as that's the first place I go, and I'm measuring everything up against that, and I'm living to the best of my ability in a way that I'm really striving to do all the mitzvahs properly, then I have to know that then I'm protected. I'm protected. I don't have to dumb myself down. I don't have to say, no, I shouldn't want this, I shouldn't want that. You can want the money, because as a Torah Jew, you know that your money is going in the right direction, that you're going to want to use that money for good things, for positive things, to be a greater Evet Hashem, to contribute to the world, to be a better person. And in that case, it's okay to want all of your wants because they're, as long as they're aligning with the Torah and you're doing your best to keep the mitzvot, you're protected and you're guarded. And so to us, David says, Ivdu es Hashem b'simcha, because he knows we already have the Torah and mitzvot theory to provide the yira. Here to the enemies who have no morals and no guiding light, he's telling them first to make sure they have the yira. In conclusion, we gave three main things that can hold us back from allowing ourselves to want what we want and to put our trust that it's going to get, be taken care of for us and to live in that miracle mindset, we said, number one, we worry about how. We say, it's not possible. I can't have this. It's, there's no way that it's going to be given to me, so let me just not even want it to begin with. And we said to that, we said, start asking yourself, what do I really want if I could have whatever I wanted in that magical world, what would I really want? And and really access that desire and know and trust that I don't have to be busy with the house, And then we said another blockage is that we worry about rejection. Maybe I'm not good enough. Nobody's going to want me. I don't have what it takes, and for that we said, go to the S W S W S W S W. Some will, some won't. So what? Someone's waiting. Hashem has many ways of bringing you what you want and need, and it doesn't matter. Don't get let down. Don't get discouraged by the rejection or the failure that you experience. At the end of the day, there's someone that's waiting to value you and wait and wanting you. And the third thing is that we doubt, like we just said now. We doubt if it's okay. You know, maybe I shouldn't be wanting all of these things that I'm wanting. And we have to remember that as long as we're aligning ourselves with Torah and mitzvos, and we're doing our best to keep them in the best ways, that we're protected and that we're allowed to give ourselves the permission to want what we want and that those desires are really just there to expand our life and to help us grow and to motivate us to want more, to be more, to have more, to do more. So let's remember, as we sign off now, Hashem is our loving Zaidi. We are the precious newborns. Let's stay in this state of trust and allowing ourselves to want what we want, asking for what, the things that we want, and let's enjoy all of the incredible, magical results of living in this space. Thank you so much for listening.